Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. We're talking today about, and we're celebrating, really, pastors. So I started thinking about that. You know, why, why does God give us pastors? What is it about the pastor that God gives us? And why should we, why should we be paying attention to the reasons there? And, you know, other types of leadership exist. We have CEOs in some, con- in some businesses, CFOs in other businesses, vision casters, encouragers, generals and motivators, and corporations and businesses and NGOs have leadership, but only the church has pastors. Why is that? Even with the body of Christ, there are ministries that are translocal. When in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, it says that Christ gave to the church prophets and evangelists, and he gave, gave uh, um, apostles to the church. And all those are translocal, meaning that their authority exists beyond the boundaries of the local church. But only the local church has the pastor-teacher. Only the local church has that gifting that is localized, raised up in every single body. And so when we look at that, we have to ask ourselves, why is that? We uh, today look at the ministry of pastors, and it's not enough for us to say, this is what this pastor does, or that's what that pastor does, but rather, what is the scriptural qualification? What is the biblical understanding of what the pastoral role is? And then, since many of you won't be pastors... Why did God call you to be in contact with a pastor? What is it about a pastor that you need? I know some people who say they don't need the church, they don't need the pastors. What a wonderful philosophy of man. But that's not the philosophy of God. It's an unbiblical theology. In fact, most of the people I know who say things like that, usually their life falls apart pretty darn quick. You know which banana gets eaten first? First one away from the bunch. First one away from the bunch is the one that gets devoured. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus uh, is looking out across the crowd, and he makes a discernment of the people. He says, the people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He says, pray to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. 
Jesus' assessment of the world around him at that time, and probably still to this day, is that his people are without pastoral influence. They're sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed. They're helpless. They are harassed and hassled by the events of life. They are uh, going through difficulties and problems. They find themselves hopeless and helpless at times where they, ju- they don't have anyone to feed encouragement into them. Without the important resources, they, don't, they just barely survive. They don't thrive and grow. They cope, but they don't conquer. Shepherds protect the flock. That's what they do. The pastor is a shepherd. He protects the flock. He heals the infirmed. He strengthens the weak. He feeds the flock. He builds the flock. Every shepherd has to be, every biblical shepherd, every pastor has to have a God-given call. You can't want to be a pastor without a call. If you have a desire to be a pastor, then you need to check with the boss and find out if God wants you to be a pastor. And if you if you uh, uh, get uh, the, uh, the thumbs up from God, then recognize that you will be going through difficulty at times and you have a, a rough assignment ahead of you, but God can bless you through it. We know that God calls men and women into the ministry of pastor because he wants them to meet the needs, to heal the flock, to gather them, to feed them, to minister to them. It's done at times with great sacrifice. It isn't unthinkable to find one of the pastors here at CLC at a hospital in the evening or sitting with a person who's wrestling with an addiction on their front porch or counseling through the dinner hour. It's not uncommon for pastors to be out of their own element and into someone's element. You know, I was sharing this story the other day with a family who was up in the hospital and and I said, I was thrown out of this hospital a couple of times. got a chance to share a testimony of how I got thrown out of that hospital for praying. And on the way home, uh, I realized that I've been thrown out of a lot of hospitals for praying. Uh, in fact, I was thrown out of most, better hospitals than most of the hospitals around here for praying. We, not everything you do as a pastor is received well. People are, are eager to, to think of the worst of you. They, they can't imagine why anyone would do the things that you do. I remember years ago, uh, this family that's no longer in the church because they moved away, but they owned a little uh, hot dog place. And uh, so I, I, I was, uh, saw the wife at church a few times, and I had never met the husband, so I decided to go over there at lunchtime and buy a hot dog for lunch. That really didn't take too much faith for me to do that. I like hot dogs. So I, I went over to the hot dog place, and I walked in, and uh, uh, the wife was there working the counter, and I said, hey, it's good to see you. And she goes, oh, my gosh, uh, what can I get you? I said, I, I just get me a couple of dogs, two dogs. That's just two. Uh, just give me a couple of dogs. And so... Uh, she says, she, she says, let me introduce you to my husband. He's in the back. So uh, he comes, she calls him out, and I shake his hand and, and meet him. And then uh, he, and she says to, to me, uh, oh, it's on the house. And I said, oh, no. That's, that'd be a stumbling block between your husband and I, you know. So I paid for my two hot dogs. 
And little did I know that that was really the discernment of the Lord because uh, after, afterwards, uh, she told me that after I left, he said, I see the way he looks at you. And uh, I, was, I probably had googly eyes, but it was probably for the hot dogs, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just being honest. And, and, uh, and uh, why would he come over here and all this kind of stuff? And so, I, I, uh, so later on, uh, anyway, later on, he, he was very insecure about the relationship. And I, so I said, that's great. I told her, that's great. Let him think that there's, you know, that there's something going on here. I said, eventually he'll come to church to check out what's going on over here, right? <laughs> We're just trying to get him in the service where the Holy Spirit can pin him to the floor and do some work on him, right? So, <clears throat> and so uh, eventually that we did get to pray together. And uh, not long after that, uh, I was robbed on Christmas Eve, um, and so they broke into my house and st stole some things from my house. And, uh, and it's a funny story. So he, he, well, we lived on the second floor over a funeral home at the time. And so the uh, word got around the church that I had been robbed. And so uh, he shows up on Christmas morning and carries this big TV up, up the stairs to give to me. And knocks on the door. I, I go, oh, hey, man, what's, what's up? And he says, uh, he says I, I brought you, I heard you got robbed. I, I brought you this. I go, ah. Oh. Well, they, they didn't take my TV. <laughs> he says, just take the damn TV, will you? <laughs> God worked wonderfully in that relationship. We became pretty good friends. And so, uh, and, so and I still hear from them occasionally. But, but the, at first, people can't imagine why someone would love someone in a way that's not, you know, twisted or perverted like the world. And so it's, it's a hard task to be a pastor sometimes because, it, but when you're trying to shepherd the sheep, you know, and it would be, it almost felt like it would be wrong for me to go buy, buy lunch someplace else if there's people there who have a business in town and they, they're selling lunch. Anyway, so, uh, so frequently our pastors are busy and they're, and they're working and, and they struggle, a lot of them struggle to balance time with their own family. The family time, ministry time pendulum is always swinging back and forth. It's very difficult. In fact, it's the chief thing that burns out pastors in the United States. So what does that say about us? What does it say, what is Jesus' commentary about you and I if he says, you need a pastor, I need a pastor? What is he saying about us? Well, he's saying that he recognizes that there are many times when we are hurt and when we are harassed and when we are helpless and we need someone who comes alongside of us and there's no shame in saying, hey, I just need to buy you a cup of coffee and, and talk about this thing or let's, let's get together and talk about this thing I'm wrestling with on my own. There's no shame in, in doing that. That's what the pastor's job is for. Jesus recognized that when he gave pastors to the church. He, he recognized that, that we would be vulnerable, that we live in a world that, where we're kind of under attack because of our faith. And, and specifically in the spiritual realm, we are constantly under attack. And he also recognized that, that we're sheep. That's not a compliment. If you've ever been by sheep, run your hand through their wool, they stink. And they're not smart. 
If one runs, they all start running. And the one will look at the other one and say, why are you running? I don't know. He started running. They just start running, and we have the same similarities. When Jesus calls us sheep, he's not being complimentary to us. He's saying that we tend to group together. We, we experience a lot of groupthink. We, we, we kind of follow in the flow, and we, we miss out on the things around us. And sheep oftentimes don't see the dangers around them. And they wander off. God help us, we wander off. And the shepherd is called there to be there. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 34, I always get convicted when I read that. I read that the first part of every year. It's, it's woe to the shepherds. And one of the accusations against the shepherd there is, and I was telling uh, Brother Ron this yesterday, that, I, that, that they get rebuked, the shepherds get rebuked for not chasing after the ones who wander away. And it's, it's exhausting to chase after somebody, to try to, to tell somebody, I know what's better for you. No one wants to hear that. But the shepherd knows what's best for the sheep. That's the truth. The shepherd knows what's best for the sheep. Many times I've had people say, you know, I said, I thought we talked about that, and you said you were going to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm back doing it again. But you know it's poisonous. You know it's hurting you. I said recently to somebody, um, listen, I've been through throat cancer. You don't want to go through throat cancer. Stop smoking. We need, we need someone to be the voice of reason in our life. It doesn't come on CNN or Fox News. It doesn't, it's not, it's, it doesn't come from the guys at work or the people who are around you. They don't really care about you. There. But there's got to be somebody who is, who is praying for you. We need that. It's not that the pastor's any better. I'm not up here saying I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm saying that there's a purpose to the call. And that's why we have it. We need. We sheep. All of us sheep need a shepherd. The pastor's a prayer warrior. In Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, we learn that there was a food need in the church and that the, the widows were being distributed food. And it got so overwhelming that eventually they decided that the apostles stepped back and they said, what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on two things. And you select seven people who will do this, this need, who will meet this need. We call those deacons. Diakonos is the word for servant. You, you select these table servants who will, who will minister this food out to these people so we can concentrate on the word of God and prayer. The pastor has to be a person of prayer. pastor's life has to be a personal prayer life. There has to be a richness in the personal prayer life. The contact that comes with God is not cheap. Somebody, I remember when people used to say to me, what do you do all week? Well, I pray. Well, I mean, besides that. I mean, I really pray. And uh, at first glance, you say, well, that doesn't seem too hard. Really? How much do you pray? I'm going to talk about when you're praying for you. Yeah. you. You pray an hour for you? How about the people who hate you? 
You pray an hour a day for the people who hate you, for the people who despise you, the people who use you, the people who talk junk about you. You, you, Prayer is labor. Prayer, we misunderstand prayer. I like to make a good cup of tea when the weather starts turning. Boy, it's starting to turn, isn't it? Whoo, it's awesome. But I like to make a good uh, cup of tea, and I put the kettle on the stove, and I turn the fire on. And the fire's heating the water. But I cheat, and I lift open the lid, and I watch the water. My mom used to tell me a watched pot never boils, right? And I'll stand over that pot of water and watch it, and I don't perceive much happening. Prayer's like that. You get into, into the realm of prayer, and you start praying, and you don't feel much happening. But the temperature is increasing. But you don't see it. Eventually, after a while, the water begins to bubble and steam. And it begins to change. Actually, it's metamorphosizing from, from a liquid into a vapor. And it's, it's all that's happening, the fervency of that water is happening because of the amount of time that you spend praying. A lot of us give up because we don't see any bubbles. We turn on our prayer life, we wait five minutes and we go, no bubbles, no steam, I'm done. Some people even give up altogether on prayer because they never got bubbles and steam. To them I say, you're doing it wrong. You need to spend that time. Quality time in the presence of the Lord is what makes really pastoral life rich. The pastor cannot give from from his own heart if he doesn't have that in there. You know, I've told somebody before the service, what when you bump somebody, what comes out first? That's what their heart is full of. If, you, if I'm standing here today and you bump me from behind, water will spill out from this thing because that's what it's full of. Right? I'm talking about a friend of mine who when you ask him, he'll say, give thanks to the Lord always, for this is the will of God. That's what his heart is full of. He's full of the word. Even when he's bumped, even when he's uh, hurting, even when he's struggling, we have to fill ourselves, pastors have to fill ourselves, actually all of us have to fill ourselves with the presence of God. It's all the more important for a pastor to be praying. I know it's a little uncomfortable for me to talk about this because I am a pastor. But it gives me some sense of authority because this is what you have to do. In Jude chapter, or in Jude verse 20, it says this, Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. This whole idea of being in prayer constantly is to saturate your heart with love. Because you have to step up, the pastor especially, has to step up in his role to represent the love of Christ. I haven't always been able to do that faithfully. The pastor is called to hear God's voice and to lead and direct ministries. And so he has to be prayed up so he can hear which way the, 
the, the Lord is telling them to go. In Acts chapter 4, it says, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees looked at the apostles and, they, and saw what they were doing, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Oftentimes, all we want is a degree or some semblance of a Bible college education, and we think that's enough. But these men were unschooled and ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. What transforms a person into a pastor is the call of God and time spent with prayer. The pastor must be a prayer warrior. Without constant immersion into the presence of God, we are simply social workers. But the world will take note for those who have been in the presence of Jesus. The pastor has to pray for himself. He has to pray for the congregation. He has to pray over the sick. James chapter 5, verse 14 says that the, lead, that the, the, the sick should call the elders of the church so that they can be prayed over. By the way, we can't pray over you if you don't call when you're sick. Because while we are pastors, we're not omniscient. Pastors pray over the sick. They pray over leaders. They pray over the anointing on leaders. They pray over dreams and visions that people have. They pray over the needs of the flock. They pray over their neighborhood to which they've been called. So all that, what does that say? Well, it says to me that you and I, we need to be covered in prayer. It says that you and I as individuals, we need to be covered in prayer, and prayer is important, and it takes time, to, and, and, and we frequently give up on prayer time. It's kind of nice to know that God has installed someone in the church whose job it is to keep praying for me even when I'm so busy I don't pray for myself. It's kind of nice to know that God has called somebody to watch over me and to pray when I don't see bubbles and steam and I give up. You need someone to guide you in prayer, to show you how to pray. You know, I'm surprised how many people have said to me in the past, you know, I just don't know how to pray. Well, you've been in church. Yeah. Well, we pray in church, right? Yeah. Can you pray like that? Well, I don't know. Prayer is just talking to God. We make it so complicated, but when someone who's got a prayer life shares with the person who's, who's has questions about, how do I go to this God? Well, you say, Lord, and then lay it out, how you feel. Ticked off this morning. I'm happy. I'm so joyous. I'm clinging to the promise that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. These are the things we, we say. I'm holding on. I'm believing, Lord. I feel like an idiot because all my friends who don't know you, they say I'm an idiot for believing this stuff. But, Lord, there's something on the inside of me that reaches out to you and holds on to you and says, I believe. I'm a little afraid that I'm stupid, but I, I believe, Lord, and so I'm going to hold on to you. We need someone to guide us into that prayer, to show us how to approach the throne of grace, to show us how to come before God and, and ask. And, and then when we, when we do it, we need people who, who will come alongside with us. Sometimes when people come forward for prayer, rather than doing the, uh, the, uh, you know, the Benny Hinn thing where I'm praying over you, 
I wrap my arm around someone and I say, let's pray to the Lord. And I pray about our needs, all of our needs, to come alongside and say, I'm not just praying for you like I've got all the stuff and I'll give you a, a, a shot of it. What I'm saying is we need His power, His wisdom, His provision into our life. We need someone to redirect our prayer. Someone called me this week and said, you don't, you don't understand, my life is so hard. It's like, and so I said, stop. Stop, listen to yourself. It's me, 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 I, I, I. No one likes to hear that. No one likes to be rebuked. But I said, let me tell you some things that are going on amongst the people that I love. Cancer and liver transplants and all these other things that are going on. And you're, you called me to tell me this. Now, no one really, I don't know if they'll ever come back again. They're not here this morning. I, I don't know if they'll come back. But somebody needs to shake you a little bit and say, listen, baby, you've got it good. Because things are tough all around, and you're, you're, where you may feel your world is crumbling, but it's, it, you're, you're too close to the things. Take a step back and see how it is. You may not have any shoes, but there are people with no feet. Yes. So you need someone. The pastor is the one who reminds you that, buddy, you got it good. We need that. We need to be reminded by the pastor who prays that all this stuff that we're warring you with is not the ultimate warfare. The ultimate warfare is spiritual. God calls pastors into the body of Christ to remind us that we're not just praying over hangnails and bunions. We're praying about the demonic powers that are trying to steal our children and bring them to hell. We're praying against the, the things that are, that are coming against our world that are trying to divide us one race against another. We're praying against all, the, all these things that are trying to poison us. Why does God call pastors into the body of Christ? Because we need a pastor who prays, who will go to the throne of grace and show us that's the, what you think is a big deal is not the big deal. There's a snickering darkness underneath this world who's laughing at the things that you are ignoring because you think the warfare is of this world. The weapon we fight with is not fleshly. The enemies that we fight are not fleshly. They're spiritual ones. And we need someone to remind us, even when we are on our lowest day, someone to walk into our hospital room, someone to call us and say, listen, I want to remind you this one truth. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We must be reminded constantly that prayer works and faith works. We need it over and over again. God called pastors because they're preacher teachers. It's hyphenated in the Greek, pastor teacher. Fivefold ministry may just be fourfold ministry. Again, in Acts 6. We won't serve the tables. We won't, we won't be servants for passing out this food and stuff because we're called to the Word of God and prayer. We need someone who will bring us the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides down to the, between the soul and the spirit. It clips open the marrow and the bone. It, it divides right into us. There are things that are in us, deep in us, that need to be pulled out that only the word can exercise from us. We need that sharp word. Jesus did not tell us to give our best opinions or our guess. 
He did not say, what's the latest psychological theory? When Jesus called Peter, hey Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, tell him what you think. Hey Peter, do you love me? Tell him about the greatest psychological theory you ever heard. Peter, uh, just, just tell him about some other sermon you heard. No, he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Pastors are called to be givers of the word, whether it comes in teaching or preaching, and we need both. We like our, we like our word given to us in various different ways. Some people like to sit down and talk. I remember this one guy who I, who I just loved to hear him speak. He would say, let's pretend I just poured you a cup of coffee. And he would pull a chair up and he would sit down and he'd say, this is what I would tell you if we were sitting at the table. And he preached his whole message while he was sitting down. I'm an excitable old Swede. I get excited. I can't sit down. Even when they give me a stool, I sit down only for a few minutes. Then I have to stand up because I get excited. The word of God is exciting. It's not the opinions of men. It's not the philosophy of the day. It's not the psychological gobbledygook that we hear all around us. It's not what my itching ears want to hear. It's the Word of God. And the Scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good Work. Look at your neighbor and tell them thoroughly equipped. That's why God gives us pastors who preach and teach the word, because the servant, servant needs to be thoroughly equipped. If all we get is psychological gobbledygook when we come to church, then we run out of here and go to try to do spiritual warfare in our underwear. Nobody would ever go to war in their underwear. You want to wear the appropriate battle armor. We need to be equipped. What does it say about us that God has called pastors to preach the word to us? It says that we need to be equipped to do the work. Not by the latest video, not by the greatest uh, podcast, but by someone who knows our situation. Someone who walks with us. Someone who knows the word of God. We need to be fed because sheep can live off of grass only for so long. And then the shepherd has to say, let's take them over here because the minerals in this soil are better for the sheep. The sheep don't know that. The sheep won't wander over and eat up all the, the chromium and this, uh, uh, the, the, the different things in the, in, that they need in this pasture because they don't understand it's green, they just eat it. Sheep have to be fed. And these days, the, the, the shepherd is, gives the sheep minerals, mixes it in with a little feed and, and pours it in a trough and makes sure that they have enough minerals in with their food. Life has increasing demands. We need the word. We easily drift spiritually. If we're honest, that there's no, really no scripture more true than all we like sheep have gone astray from Isaiah 53. Each one goes to his own way. It's very easy for us to drift, to become dead spiritually. We need pastors to remind us evidently of that. 
the first Christians and for the last 2,000 years have gathered on the first day of each week to hear the Word of God. Why do we do that? Because that Word keeps us anchored in Christ. And yes, we can read on our own, and yes, we can study on our own, and we can buy books, and you can read it on Kindle, and you can get it on a podcast, and all that's good, but you can't minister to someone in a place that you haven't been. So when you go to bedside assembly and you sleep in on Sunday morning, brother pillows and sister sheets, You're not getting ministered to, and you're not doing ministry to anyone else. And you don't know the word that God has given to the congregation. Somebody asked me last week how a service I, I didn't make it. And I said, well, right in the middle of a glorious time of worship, Peggy got up and stood at the microphone and told us, but she just got the news that Miss Stephanie was cancer-free and the place broke out in applause. And it was glorious to be in that place of people genuinely giving thanks for our sister here in this place. There's a reason why we touch base. There's a reason why God has given us pastors. What it says about us is that we need the word and we need that put into our life and we need to devour that together at the same trough. The pastor is a servant. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served but to be a servant and lay down his life as a ransom for many. Likewise, the Lord's representative must not find a single task beneath him. I think I've cleaned almost every toilet in this place. Not all yesterday. Okay, and some of them I made dirty. But I've, I've cleaned a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. There's a funny story. When, I'm going to tell the story about when Pastor Seth was doing an internship here. And we had a problem down in the basement in the pump room. The pump had had vibrated itself off to the side. The pump sinks down into a sump where when you flush the toilet, all that stuff goes into that that sump there. And so it was too heavy for me to move by myself and tighten down. So I said, you move it, grab the pipe, and move it into position. I'll tighten it down. And it'll be, so he, he moved it and got it. And he was standing there holding it, and I tightened it down. And it was all good. And the pump, we turned the pump on. The pump went on, and the pump went off. And then church caca went all over the top of his head. <laughs> and I said welcome to the ministry (laughs) and he said can I go home now I said yes you may yes you may go home yes you must change please the Son of Man came as a servant. There are things we do that we aren't signed up for, things I've never thought I would ever do that we ended up doing. But you have to be a servant because people around you are trying to figure out what a servant looks like. 
Because everybody around us in the world is looking to do something and get something from it. But to be a servant means I'm doing it for him. Yeah, the pastor speaks prophetically into situations like families and like businesses and, and many things, but he also does it with a servant's heart. We frequently see pastors trying to emulate CEOs rather than the servant of Calvary. Riding around in corporate jets and big long Cadillacs. What we need are servants. People who will demonstrate the servant heart of Christ. What does that say about us? It says we need a model. We need a model. Someone who will model what servanthood looks like. I'm not saying every pastor should learn plumbing. What I'm saying is that, that we need to be servants. We need to be demonstrating servanthood. And it means that we as individuals need a pastor to show us this is what servanthood looks like. We need someone to model Christianity like us because it's easy to stay home. It's easy to cocoon and, and watch our way through a Netflix series, binge watching. And, but a pastor is, is a nag. He nags us all the time. The pastor is the servant that keeps pointing us outside of our home and says, listen, there's a world dying out there. There are people who need to be ministered to. It's great that you watch seven uh, episodes of, of, of that show that you like so much. But listen, there are people who are dying out there. Don't lose focus on the mission around you. And when we as individuals try to, to adopt ourselves and we get tired of giving and giving and, and we get tired and we, we decide we're going to adopt the ways of the world and be kind of selfish and do what we want to do for ourselves, it's the pastor who puts his finger in our face on a Sunday morning and gets preachy with us and says, listen, there are, your neighbors need to know Jesus Christ. Your family needs to know Jesus. We're tempted to live like those around us. But the pastor says, no, no, you're a child of God. You're different. The pastoral model shows how to live and lead in our businesses and in our homes. I remember reading, coming across, and it was, I think, at Office Depot. They had, a, they had a book there called Jesus as CEO. And I thought this kind of ironic that there's a, a book on Christian leadership that pictures Jesus as a CEO. Real, the real leadership says, here, this is how we do this. Think about it. If you own your own business, think about it. You know there are times when you just have to say, look, buddy, this is how you do it. You pick it up and you get it on. You put it on the, on the, on the truck and you drive it to where it needs to go. You've got to get in there. You've got to do stuff. We don't always do, pastors don't do things perfectly. Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's absolutely the truth. But we Give it our best shot. I remember when a woman in the church was being neglected in her marital relationship. And finally, it seemed to me like they were on the brink of breaking up. And a lot of it was because the husband was being a bonehead. And because husbands can do that, you know, be boneheads. So I went over to where the, the husband worked. And I'm trying not to give away this, too much of the information here. And so I said, hey, 
is so-and-so here? And they said, let me check. Uh, yeah, he can't come down. But it was one of those things where the office, they had a big glass thing, and I, I knew he was looking right at me from where, where he was. They could see me at the, at the desk, you know. And I said, there's no way he, uh, I can, do, you want me, can I wait? No, no. So they waved me off. So I, I went out to my car, found a piece of paper. I think it was, if I remember right, it was the back of a, of a letter that was written to me. And I flipped it over and I wrote down, if you keep doing this, this way, your son will be calling someone else father. It's a hard letter to write. And probably the wrong thing to do. I think he was a little chipped at me. But I had the privilege of seeing months later the two of them surrender their lives to Christ. Their marriage is solid and intact. They're involved in their local church. They're doing ministry. It's not just because of my letter, but you have to do something. We need that. We need that desperation. Woe to the pastor who doesn't chase the wayward. I've only got a few more of these things. The pastor is an organizer. The pastor is an administrator. The pastor is the one, according to the Bible, who rules over the body. The pastor is an overseer of the congregation. We don't have time to deal with each of these. The pastor develops the curriculum for Christian education. He, he develops leadership within the church. He represents the church to the community. He officiates the rituals of faith, baptism, marriage, burials, funerals. He oversees the church finances. He is an expert on legal affairs concerning 501c3s. He watches over the building. He safeguards the doctrine. He works in the local churches in town and with the denomination. He guides families in ways that they rear their children. He does the work of evangelists. He counsels the hurting. He ministers to the special needs. He communicates to missionaries. He leads small groups. He chases after the lost and those who wander away. He prays for those who dislike him. He visits the sick. He lives a life of forgiveness. And oh yeah, he has a family of his own that he's supposed to be exemplary to before. Why does God give us pastors? Pastors are imperfect human beings just like you. They walk to the pulpit to preach, having just found out that someone in their family has a tumor. They walk into, into the pulpit to preach, to preach the word of faith, sometimes with a broken heart. They challenge others and themselves to walk the walk. Sometimes the message is just for me. I'll be honest with you. Somebody said, man, that was a good word. I said, well, it was good for me. I don't know if it was good for them, but I feel better now. <laughs> There's a lot of enemies trying to strike the shepherd so that the flock will, will scatter. Pray for your pastors. Pray for those who are in authority over you. If you don't know how to pray for them, there's an excellent article on my Facebook about how to pray for your pastor. Ten different ways you can pray for your pastor. There are many people who have walked away from the church, many who have walked away from pastors saying that they don't need the church or they found a better way. 
But the Bible says Christ gave pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm grateful for those who have pastored me in my life, whose very impression changed me, mentored me, molded me. I let their truth, even with some of the weird things. I used to make fun of my pastor because he, he always said, you see. And then when I started preaching, I thought you had to say, you see. You see? But as quirky as we are, Christ made the church so that there are pastors there. We need the pastors. The pastor doesn't need us. We need the pastors. I don't know, does that sound wrong? It's not really. We're just doing what we've been called by God to do. But pray for us. Let's bow our heads and pray for those pastors who are in our congregation. I know we've already prayed for them. Let's pray, really intercede right now for them. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you're blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.